follow me to the book of Judges. Follow me to the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, we're going to start only two verses this morning will constitute our sermonic time together. Judges chapter three, verses one and two. The English Standard Version captures the word of God this way. Now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. And for a couple of moments this morning, I want to talk from the theme or the subject of a necessary test. I want to talk from the subject of a necessary test. Well, do you remember the last time you had to take a test? You, you remember the feelings that came along with taking that test? Or if you're an educator, if you're a teacher, now we all, I see a lot of parents in here. We got a lot of children here. And so if you're a parent, you are a teacher. But you ever asked yourself, why do I get nervous? Why do I feel this way when it comes time to take the test? Teachers, you remember the response that, that you gave, that you got when you gave out a test. You know, back in school, teacher would say, all right, class, clear your desk. It's time for the test. And immediately, it seemed like the children would sit up straight, right? Some of them would shake their head. Some of them would drop their head down. But they knew it was time for a test. Middle and high school students, they had to take this uh, uh, like a state exam. When I was coming up through high school, uh, we had to take a state testing called the, uh, the DSTP. And that was in Delaware. So we had to take this DSTP, but those who are going to uh, college bound, right? Those who are going to college, they have to take the SAT or the ACT. Uh, I remember the buildup to taking those tests. And a lot of times uh, it, it came with more anxiety than the test itself. I mean, you work yourself up in a sweat. The room is quiet, just like it is right now. And then you hear this ripping of paper that knowing that the, the test has started. But if we'll be honest this morning, most of us, if not all of us, can admit that when we are confronted with a test, our response can't even be put into words. It's simply... And that's what I want to talk about this morning. This morning, for a few moments, we got to spend some time in the tension of various tests that we face in our lives, because the human response always tends to be the same, no matter what race, color, or creed, or culture you come from. When it's time to take the test, 
we ask a question, why do I have to take this test? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that said that. I mean, I, I mean, I got my license when I was 16 years old, but I started driving at 15 in empty parking lots. You know, that's how we teach our kids to drive sometimes. You, you, you got to get, get some corks out before the teacher gets in. So let's go to this empty parking lot. But why do I have to take the test? I know how to drive. Well, the Lord woke me up this morning and he allowed me to make it here safe and sound to tell you, don't be appalled when it's your time to take the test. Don't, don't be surprised when it's your time to take a test. Don't think that you've obtained a level that would make you exempt from a test. No, instead, I want to encourage you this morning and remind you that all testing is not bad. It's not bad. In fact, the thing that you have to know about the test is that, number one, there is need for the test. There's a, there's a need for the test. Merriam-Webster uh, defines a test as something for measuring the skill, knowledge, intelligence, and capacity of an individual. Now, our Bibles, every time you see the word test in Scripture, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's always translated to mean to prove by trial. Uh. That's a test. You got to prove it by trial. And come on, let's pick up the text because prior to our focal text this morning, we see that in chapter two, verse seven, the writer gives us clear explanation of why testing is needed for the Israelites. Judges chapter two, verse seven says this, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who's seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Once the leader or the judge died, it would prove to be a constant downhill spiral into sin, trespass, iniquity, idolatry, bowing down to other gods, and perhaps the worst of all, turning their back on God. I mean, it's never a good thing when, when we feel, when you and I feel betrayed. I mean, you, 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 you've been betrayed before. If you haven't, my, 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 since Father's Day, uh, my daddy would say, keep having birthdays. In other words, keep living and you will be. But if that's how we feel when we are betrayed, how do you think God feels at times? Because God has feelings too, right? I mean, how else do you explain scriptures like Jesus wept? Or, or how the Lord regretted how, that he made man and it grieved him to his heart. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 145, verse 8. He says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, 
slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Now, while this is true, the Israelites had managed to push God to anger. God allowed his chosen people to be plundered, subdued, sold to surrounding enemies. And every time the Israelites would go out to march in the text, it tells us that the hand of the Lord was against them for harm. So God will eventually raise up a judge because he was moved to pity. Now, for the lifetime of the judge, uh, the people would do good. They would keep the commandments. They would follow God. But once the judge died, they would go again into that downward spiral of sin and idolatry until God would raise up another judge. In fact, the book of Judges has a total of 12 judges. See, we made this connection. Uh, if the people did good while the judge was living, then when the judge died, they spiraled. The entire book is comprised of 12 judges. The entrance of the test for the Israelites was when there was no one they could see to judge them. Yeah, or in other words, the test for the Israelites is when the judge is gone, do you still believe in the invisible? There's a need for us to be tested. Scripture tells us that the time had come uh, to test the Israelites. And the reason for the test was because there was people in Israel who had not experienced the wars in Canaan. Got to make mention here that these wars were because these wars were because Canaan, the promised land, already had inhabitants. There are people already living in Canaan. So God would give them strict instructions to go into the land and commit to destruction all who lived there. Yeah, I'll show it to you in the Bible. Hey, go to Deuteronomy, the 13th chapter, 13th chapter uh, verse 15. It says, you shall surely put the inhabitants of that city to the sword, devoting it to destruction, all who are in it and its cattle with the edge of the sword. You remember when uh, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel uh, 15, don't worry about it on the prompt, I'm just telling the story. Uh, 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, is where we have, where we meet Saul. Now, Saul has been given instructions by God, by, via Samuel. Uh, he's been given instructions, go into Amalek and kill everything that's in there. Don't take nothing for hostage. Don't take nothing that's prize or sacrifice. Go into the land and kill it. God said, he ordered Saul, kill men, women, children, infant, oxen, sheep, donkey, if it breathes, kill it. Ooh, that's, that's real quiet. 
That's Old Testament. <laughs> Old Testament God. But, but try, God was trying to prevent what would eventually happen. One of the things that pulled Solomon away from his devotion to God was he married um, so many different wives, different cultures. And they turned, the Bible said, they turned his heart away from the Lord. This is why God said what he said. There's a need for testing in our lives today. You may not like it. You may try to avoid it for a season. You may despise the test, but in times of testing, God has given us the opportunity to prove just what we believe. After all, you can't go to the 10th grade without passing some tests in the ninth grade. You can't get the promotion without showing that you've been faithful over a few things. The test comes as a result of a question. Are you ready for the next season? Are they ready for the next season? Can God trust you with more? If you get the opportunity, what are you going to do with it? Because if you can answer those questions honestly, then don't be surprised when it's time for you to take the test. In order to find these answers to the questions, you got to realize the first thing, there's a need to be tested. Now, the test itself is not pointless. The test itself it isn't pointless. The test has a purpose. The test has a purpose. It's clear in the text that the Lord did not drive out all the inhabitants of the land. But instead, the Lord left the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Sidonites, and the Philistines. He left them in the land. The text couldn't be clearer about the purpose of the text. God's purpose for leaving them behind was to teach a new generation about war. A new generation about war. What the younger generation had to understand, what they needed to know is what I like to call wartime tactics. Wartime tactics. It's it, it's more uh, wartime taxes says this, listen, uh, we got an army of 22,000 men, but that's too many. Cut it down to 10,000. Ah, that's, 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 that's still too many. That's a big number, right? 10,000 for an army. That's a big number. Cut it down. As a matter of fact, cut it down to 300. Take 300 men, and I'm going to give them the victory. Now, wartime tactics. Let me give you one more. Um, uh, wartime tactics. Okay, you see this wall? I mean, this is a beautiful place. But you see that wall behind me? It's big. It's imposing. It's been fortified. Wartime tactics. Wartime tactics say, we're going to walk around this wall. 
we're going to walk around this wall six times. And on the seventh time, we're going to shout and watch the wall come tumbling down. That's wartime tactics. It sound like a plan. Everybody in now. I play basketball, so y'all got to get in the huddle. Everybody in? That sound good? Sound good? One, two, three. We can do it, right? Wartime tactics. What the younger generation had to learn is that war is about dependency on God. You see, everybody else had died now. Joshua, dead. The elders, dead. Text says there was a new generation that rose up that did not know war. But this is what they had to learn. But don't just take my word for it. Listen uh, to the words of James, what he says about tests. He says, James says over in James, the first chapter, verses three and four, he says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Somebody today is at war. Maybe even at this very moment, they may be at war. But I came this morning to remind you that when it comes to war, depend and trust on God. Must remember to place everything, all of our cares, all of our issues, all of our problems, all of our hopes, dreams, desires, place it at the Lord's feet. Why? Because he promised he would never leave you nor forsake you. Depend on God and trust in him because we are constantly at war, right? Paul says at one point, even when I want to do good, evil is ever present. We are constantly at war. And this is what the Ephesians says, Ephesians chapter six. It says this, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, brothers and sisters, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We are at war. Don't forget wartime tactics. Don't forget to depend on God. That's not it. That's not all you have to do. Uh, It's not about, it's not that God doesn't know the outcome of the test, right? God is omniscient. He knows everything, but it's not about God knowing the outcome, but it's more about you and I discovering something new about God that we did not know before or experience. I started talking about teachers this morning. Now, uh, I I might as well stay there. Have you ever noticed um, teachers when they are teaching and they are engaged in what they do. They're teaching, they're they're putting into action their lesson plan. I mean, they're giving a good service. 
it's instruction going on, a whole lot of interaction going on. It's teaching at the highest level for those who have the heart to do so. But here's this, watch this. When the teacher says, clear your desk, it's time for the test. There's no more instruction. There's no more talking. The teacher now becomes proctor. And the teacher just, does the teacher leave the room? I got to ask you, does the teacher leave the room? No. But the teacher is in the room, present while you are testing, keeping eyes on you, and getting up making rounds. Where am I going? Could it be that moments when you feel like you are in a test, moments where you feel like you pray and your prayers go no higher than the ceiling, could it be that since God said he'll never leave us or forsake us, but because we are in angst about God not hearing or him not answering or him not moving when we think he should move, could it be that God has proctored a test for us and is sitting back watching with his eyes on his children? to see if they really believe what it is they say they believe. I, I, I don't know, but that's just my sneaky, sanctified suspicion. But I want to encourage you this morning that it may seem like God is not listening to your prayers, but he's right there. It may seem like you're hopeless and you're powerless, but God is right there. And God says, I know the plans that I have for you plans to prosper you and not harm you. God is right there. God has not turned his back on you. He's simply watching us take the test to see if we believe the way we say, proclaim that we believe. I mean, what is faith? If every now and then it can't be tested. It's a necessary, it's a necessary test. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm done now because I'm, I'm rushing to close. I'm rushing to close. Now, I'm a, I'm a Baptist preacher. So, now I can tell by the giggles. Y'all know. But any preacher uh, <clears throat> must make his way from the Old Testament to the New and this particular text is easy to make that transition because a necessary test could only be taken by a necessary man. Mm. Y'all, you feel it already. It's coming. You know it's coming. Give me about two more minutes and we're going to be right there, right at the cross. A, a necessary test had to be taken by a necessary man. You know the thing about the judges? While they, God didn't raise up the judges, they did God's thing, and then they died. He raised up another judge, he would do God's thing, and then he died. We did the same thing, he, he, the kings. The kings, would God would uh, install and anoint kings, and, and, and the kings would 
do God's thing for a while. And then they died. Let's cross over the bridge to the New Testament because John the Baptist, his assignment was to prepare the way for the Lord, right? Prepare the way. John the Baptist did his assignment. He, he did his thing. He was necessary. But guess what? John the Baptist is dead. The disciples got a chance to hang out with Jesus, see his teachings, walk with the master face to face, be in his presence. They spreaded the gospel as much as they could, as far as the, their legs would take them. And guess what? They're dead. But a necessary test had to be completed by a necessary man. This necessary man had to come down through 40 and two generations. The necessary man had to be born of a virgin mother. The necessary man had to be called Emmanuel, God with us. The necessary man had to come to this earth, show us how to love on each other, show us how to love God, show us how to be kind, show us how to be patient, show us how to be forgiving. The necessary man had to come because it was necessary that he get on the cross. It was necessary for sin, iniquity, trespasses be paid for. It was necessary. So Jesus comes down 40 and two generations. Jesus shows us how to live and shows us how to love. Jesus takes all kind of abuse and all kind of disrespect and all kind of uh, uh, ridicule, all kinds of physical beatings, public humiliation. Jesus took all of it. They beat him, slapped him in the face, dehumanized him, stripped him down, clothed him in a purple robe. Then they placed a crown of thorns on his head, spit in his face, whipped him. Then they stretched him wide, nailed his feet to the cross, put nails in his hands. The Bible says, that through all of this, Jesus never said a mumbling word. Now we, I asked you earlier, how, how do you and I feel when we are betrayed? How would you feel if all of those things happened to you? But yet the necessary man had to do it because my righteousness, even on my best day, is still something wrong with me. Even on your best day, is still something wrong with you. Jesus paid the price for our names to be written in the Lamb's book of life. 
Jesus paid the price on Calvary. But that wasn't it. Because Jesus does, he says, at the end of all of those things, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Scripture says he gave up the ghost. He held, hung his head and he died. Didn't he have a, a proper place for him? He was in a borrowed tomb. Friday night, all day Saturday. But I'm so glad that a necessary man had to come and pay the necessary penalty for my sins because early Sunday morning, Jesus is risen. He gets up with all power in his hands because a necessary man took the necessary test. It allowed you and I and all those who will believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the necessary entrance into the kingdom of God. There's purpose in the test. There's purpose in the test. Testing is necessary. But understand that testing gives room for new opportunities. And because Jesus took the test for us, we no longer have to offer sacrifices the way they did in the Old Testament. This is the Old Testament text. But because Jesus is our expiation and propitiation, he took all our sins away and he paid the price once and for all. It's necessary that you and I at times go through tests. So hear me. GLC, don't be afraid of the test. So I, I got married, coming up on two years now. It'll be two years on the 23rd. I got married and realized that every day is a test. <laughs> but there's beauty in the test. When the test comes your way, change that perspective on the test. Don't, we, we got to get to the point where we, all right, clear your desk. It's time for a test. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Because I learned something from the last test. I studied. I prepared. I'm ready to take the test. Apply it to our lives. I seen God heal me. I seen God provide. I seen Jesus save me. I seen the spirit give me power so I can handle what the job does. I can handle what my neighbor says. I can handle next week because back here, I remember when I was tested, and who came through for you at the end of the day? God, our Father. It's a necessary test. But you can handle it. Amen?
Amen. That's 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 all I got. That's 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 all I got. What do we do now? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh God, we bless you and we thank you. We thank you for what you have shared with us today, reminding us that even though we go through tests in different seasons of our lives, it's simply you giving us the opportunity for our faith to grow, to prove just what we believe, that God, we love you. We worship and adore you. We just want to tell you that, Lord, we do love you more than anything. So, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight, God. Take your word, bury it in our spirits, that it might grow much fruit. That we will be encouraged every time we have to stand in front of a test, God, because you promised us you would never leave us nor forsake us. And we know that we can do all things through Christ that gives us strength. Bless us now, Lord. Watch over us and keep us as only you can, Lord, until we meet again. It's in the name of Jesus that we said together. Amen. Amen. And amen.